Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on that hockey show where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to that hockey show, ladies and gentlemen. Another weekly edition. We've been away for the last couple of weeks. Thanksgiving holiday, and yours truly was down in New Orleans celebrating his little brother's wedding. But we're back. Uh, Lots been going on, obviously, the last couple of weeks here. But um, we're back in the saddle here. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuffin, holding down the THS board here on Long Island in New York. And as always, I'll be bringing in my THS line mates. Mr. Joe Yurden has this episode off this week, but he'll be back next week with us. So make sure you come back, all you Buffalo Sabres fans and so on and so forth. But today, uh, we're going to keep it quick. I've got Tab coming in, Tab Bamford from Chicago, as always. We're going to talk some Hawks and all the latest, uh, you know, moves and, and maybe a little bit on the, that Truba hit the other night. Uh, Truba's been hitting everybody. So you got to be careful when Truba's on the ice. Keep your head up out there, folks. And then we'll bring in Steve Palumbo, who's no longer in the state of California, I hear. He's now down south in the Lone Star State. But anyway, we're going to get things started here today real quick. I'm not going to ramble on too much. Like I said, just getting back in the saddle, getting caught up myself personally with work and uh, just the games, everything else, and, 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 you know, we're in the holiday season, so a big, uh, you know, belated happy Hanukkah to everybody out there, too, as well, and then uh, the holidays coming up here, Christmas and New Year's and stuff, so um, we'll, we'll punch this episode here for you real quick as uh, I get caught up, I mean, the guys get caught up, and then we'll be back here next week as well, too, and then uh, we're hoping to squeeze one more in right before Christmas Eve and Christmas, and uh, we'll close out the year there and, uh, you know, the following week, and we'll do a, a Happy New Year's Eve show for everybody as well, too. Evers? No, New Year's Eve. I think that's what I mean. I don't know what I'm trying to get to. But like I said, folks, I've, I've been out of sync here the last two weeks. So I'm a little rusty. The tongue's a little tied. But it's all good stuff. So, yeah, look, so we got some great stuff to talk about. Um, you know, uh, like I said, uh, Tab and Steve coming up here. We're hoping, crossing our fingers, we'll get Costa back here in the new year. Obviously, uh, Costa's been very busy with his business up in Montreal, and it's, he would probably tell you it's better off that he hasn't been on the show this <laughs> at the end of the year uh, the, with the way the Habs are playing. But obviously, some changes going up there in the front office. Mark Bergeron out. A good friend of uh, Ranger fans, uh, Jeff Gordon, taking over there as far as hockey operations. Uh, Ducharme staying on behind, behind the bench right now. He's got a vote of confidence from the new director of hockey operations there, Mr. Jeff Gordon. Uh, but uh, I imagine a GM will be brought in. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux heading out to Vancouver, having some fun. Nice to have him back in the league. Obviously, Philly making changes as well as two. Elaine Vigneault went out, and uh, Mr. Mike Yo, uh, who had some success with Minnesota Wild, is now back behind the bench with the Flyers. So uh, a really wild game there the other night, too. Winnipeg and the Jets, uh, Rangers in Chicago. Um, you know, as far as Spets getting suspended, big hits by Truba. And uh, so lots going on there. We'll get into it uh, pretty much today uh, with Steve and Tab. Uh, before we bring the guys on here, I just want to say thank you guys as always. Thanks for hanging in this in there with us these last couple of weeks. And uh, we look forward to continuing uh, being back here on a regular weekly basis and then taking the show into the new year. Uh, we got the uh, 
the return of the Winter Classic coming back. Um, the World Juniors are coming up here. But obviously, uh, COVID's still hanging around the NHL, affecting a couple of teams. Islanders looking to get a win at the new arena. All kinds of different stuff going on. So we'll, we'll get into this. But again, thanks to all you guys for out there for subscribing and listening. We appreciate your audience. Uh, anybody listening for the first time, follow us uh, at uh, That Hockey Show on the Twitter. Uh, we're also on Facebook. And uh, all the guys' accounts are on the um, t- main Twitter account at that hockey show too. That's where a lot of us pretty much hang out in terms of uh, you know tweeting about the game and all that other stuff. And uh, and as always, our archives are always found at thsradio.com. And no matter what podcast platform you listen on, the links are all there at thsradio.com. So thank you guys so much for hanging with us. Well, all right, it's time to head on out to the great city of Chicago and bring in our good friend, Mr. Tab Bamford. Tab, what's happening? Welcome back. Miss you, buddy. THS, we're back, pal. Hey, you know what? It is good to be talking talk. Uh, it is December, which means we have the joy of trade rumors percolating. Uh, and uh, in Chicago... Uh, since the coaching change, we can now officially say that uh, the Bears are uh, the most despised coaching situation in the city of Chicago. Uh, so we've got that going for us. Well, what do you think? If uh, Harbaugh wins uh, the national championship, you think he uh, maybe goes coaches the Bears? What do you think about that? First of all, first <laughs> of all, hail to the victors, valiant, hail to the conquering heroes. Yes. Second of all, uh, and I say that with all all love to the maize and blue. Uh, my grandfather went to the University of Michigan after serving in World War II, uh, so I was born and raised uh, on the maize and blue. So good on you, Michigan. Thank you for finally uh, putting it on that dumpster fire in Columbus. Um, with regards to Harbaugh coaching the Bears, uh, I don't think so. I, I think he's kind of in a spot now where Michigan might be it for him. Uh, I think he went home and that's his, I think, final coaching destination. I'm not sure that Jim Harbaugh really wants the NFL life. And I think that you're seeing some college coaches that have made the jump to the pro ranks. Obviously, struggle. Chip Kelly was an unmitigated disaster. Urban Myers had his ups and downs uh, and lap dances since going to Jacksonville. Uh, so the move from college to the pros isn't easy, even if you've been in the pros and gone back. You know, I think he'd be looking at kind of a Pete Carroll situation, though hopefully not leaving Michigan, uh, waiting for the hammer to fall from the NCAA with all sorts of sanctions like Pete Carroll did to USC. Um, but I, 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 he look, he's a Michigan man. He played there. He loves being there. And I think that the university really has something – going on with Juwan Howard coaching the basketball team and Jim Harbaugh coaching the football team. You've got two former players who are recruiting well, and now the the basketball team has done very well uh, and recruited insanely well since Juwan Howard took over, and you're starting to see the football team now with a win over Ohio State turn the corner, it looks like. So, you know, it was fun watching that game against Ohio State and then the Big Ten championship game because the backup quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, uh, grew up just a stone's throw from where I live, 
played high school football with my middle son, Bobby's best friend's older brother at Nazareth Academy before he left during the pandemic and went down to the IMG Academy in Florida. So uh, a little bit of a local flavor there, but yeah, I don't, I don't think Harbaugh is making the jump back to the NFL. And I think the bears have, uh, have some pretty overwhelming needs when it comes to getting their collective crap together. Um, when it comes to a lot of things other than the head coach, but certainly the head coach and whoever's calling the plays needs to get better. So, uh, but that'll happen. You know, I do feel a little bit for Matt Nagy, the current Bears coach. You know, the fans were chanting fire Nagy at his kid's high school playoff game. Uh-huh. <laughs> what is, what is, this, is the Ted Lasso episode going on here? <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he can't really legitimately go anywhere without getting booed at this point, which is tough. I mean, he's not a good coach, but I can understand how that would be a, a lot to deal with on the personal side. So. Yeah, but hey, you know, maybe they just need to go find a guy who gave the New York Islanders, you know, 800 games like the Blackhawks did. And that could, you know, flip their fortunes into being, you know, an average run-of-the-mill professional team. Oh, my God. I tell you, these college coaches are making bank. Why would Harbaugh want to leave college ranks? The money well, spe- especially when you see uh, Brian Kelly bail on Notre Dame and go get $10 million a year from LSU. Dear Lord. And go. Why would you leave? Why would you yeah. leave college? Who wants? Yeah. And, and you look at the package Lincoln Riley got from USC, private jet whenever he wants yeah. it. They're gonna pay. They're gonna pay for both of his houses and give him an extra million dollars as a some kind of a. You I know, just, that's I not just submitted a resume for uh, for an assistant for him. I want yeah. to ride on the jet. <laughs> I will serve the cookies. All right. Well, we'll get into some of the NHL coaches that are uh, back uh, behind the bench in a little bit, but. Uh, I would have to say Derek King isn't getting booed yet, right, at the uh, at the old barn there in uh, Chicago there. Obviously, uh, since we last talked, 3-3, three and three, um, two losses to my Nuevi Rangers, and um, Truba took some liberties the other night. Clean hit or what on J.K.? Well, I mean, he's, I hear he's okay. Oh, here we go. Yeah, let's so, do it. Whoa, we're going to start there. Let's go. Yeah, Rangers, let, Hawks, let's, let's do it. Let, let's go big right <laughs> out of the jump here. A hard, hard transition from Jim Harbaugh. Um, so initially when I saw the hit, uh, I tweeted, which I think has been quote tweeted, retweeted, liked something like a thousand times by now, uh, including a quote tweet from my good friend Dave Pignotta with the fourth period. Um, the first blush when I saw it live and then saw the first replay, which was full speed from NBC sports, Chicago, it certainly looked like Truba launched and went went big and went high. Um, seeing more slow-mo takes, you know, it looks like the MSG broadcast had a shot from uh, the opposite side of the rink that made it look more like a, a shoulder-to-shoulder hit. The front side view that we got in Chicago um, certainly looked like the chicken wing was extended as he made contact. There's a couple things that I'll, I'll say about it. And I tweeted this yesterday. Is the hit legal by definition today? Yes. Um, so there won't be a suspension that comes from it because right now, by definition, that hit was legal. Uh, secondly, Seth Jones throwing the, the puck in the Jujar Kara's feet didn't do him any favors. He's looking down. He's vulnerable. 
um, and he got on the tracks and the trolley came by. So that amplified things. Uh, the issue that I do have uh, is that it is possible for a player, and we see it regularly, who wants to consummate a big body check to aim for the logo on the chest. And my feeling is that Truba, which he has done, which he did against the Avalanche last night. Yeah, by another the way, one, man. I, I, I don't know what Which led to another Kumbaya. I don't know what Kalan's um, calling about. And look, this is this is this is not new for Jacob Truba. This has been his MO since he got in the league. He he's got fans and friends and he's got people that hate him because of it. Uh my feeling is that he was aiming for the top of the shoulders with the hit. Uh, and had Kara been straight upright, he would have hit him in the chest, bone, upper neck area and still sent him flying, and it still would have been a a pretty significant hit now because Kara's head was down. He was out cold before he landed. Um, And I don't know if New York's audience got it, but unfortunately the first look that we got it – at it with a zoom, you could see that his eyes were rolled back in his head on the ice and he didn't move. Uh, and that was scary. Uh, frankly, that was the scariest hit, uh, as someone that covers and watches and cheers for the Blackhawks that I've seen since Rafi Torres knocked Marion Hosa out. Uh, and that's I'm been about 10 years. So it was scary. The, the pass and the acceptance of the pass and the way that he put his head down made Kara more vulnerable to that kind of hit. Uh, but I still feel like Truba was aiming higher than he necessarily needed to, which uh, led to what could have been a catastrophic life-altering play. And you don't want to see that in the National Hockey League. So all of that being said, was it legal? Yes. Am I a fan of the play? No. And I think that there are a lot of players, and you, again, you saw it last night against Colorado that McKinnon stepped up because Landis Gog took a very similar hit. Um, and it was flip, bud. It was flip. It was McKinnon got uh, hit. Yeah. McKinnon got hit. Landis Gog jumped, jumped the gun. So, um, and those are two guys that are leaders. You know, it was Riley Stillman. It was the sixth defenseman that ultimately dropped the gloves with Truba, and that's not a dance card that he should be on because that's a – featherweight trying to go after a heavyweight and mm-hmm. the result of the fight thankfully nobody else got hurt but um but I, I again it comes down to you know how you want to have these things executed and i again I, I feel like um you know there is there is a way for players to deliver hard body checks and i'm in no way shape or form advocating that big heavy checks are eliminated from the league Mm-hmm. It has always has been and always will be part of the league. Uh, but in that scenario, Truba could have aimed for his chest plate, the Indian head on his chest, and delivered the same momentum-shifting blow and put him on his ass that he did without the potential for head trauma. Um, and so whether or not this ends up with any kind of a rule uh, tweak, I don't think it will. I don't think... I've never been a fan of changing rules because of one specific incident. But uh, in this scenario, I think that there are, there are things that we need to do. And I think that uh, the Department of Player Safety, not even having a phone call with the guy, much less dropping 
you know, the obligatory maximum allowable and the CBA 500 peso fine or whatever it would be, which those fine dollar amounts are a joke, but thus is the CBA. I, I think player safety needed to step in and say, you aimed high. We're not going to suspend you, but we're going to slap you on the wrist and let you know that you need to aim a little bit lower. Because the the counter that I've received from many of your Ranger fan compatriots on Twitter has been, well, if he goes lower, he's going to take out his knees. Hey, there, there, there was a full torso between where he hit him and his legs that Truba could have aimed for and didn't. Um, so it, it, there, there were a lot of things that played into a really ugly scene on the ice. Um, you know, Seth Jones threw him a suicide pass. He put his head down and played with it. Truba came through and finished a check. Um, but I, my overall takeaway is that I was not a fan of the play because I feel like Truba uh, aimed for the top of the shoulders and did not aim for the Indian head on his chest. I hear you, man. Um, I didn't see the play live. I actually I jumped into the game the other night in the third period, and I was actually uh, nagging you a little bit, and I didn't realize that uh, J.K. was hit yet. But, um, look, a couple of things as far as the Ranger fans. If that was Stromer or Panarin on the ice, they would have been screaming bloody murder themselves. Um, as far as you th- you thinking the league might do anything? I mean, they love that stuff. They love the fact that he's okay. Same thing with Panarin. He's all right. Fine. Run the loop. Run the video loop. Show the violence. Show the chaos. Because that's that's what they love. As far as as long as nobody gets hurt, the league doesn't care. That's my opinion too. So this is just yeah. Part of the- well, and that's and that's the thing. Again, the NHL is a physical sport. The NFL is a physical sport, and to deny that or try to litigate physical play out of the game is nonsense. It'll never happen. It'll never work. But there are things that we can do to, to train players to be safer and better when they deliver these blows that I think can keep everybody in a better place. And you can avoid ugly situations like we had in that game uh, and ultimately, you know, avoid, you know, what I would consider to be a repeat offense the the next night in Colorado against the Avalanche. So I'm, um, again, I, I think it, it, a lot of it comes back to the highlight culture that we live in. Um, you know, the NFL has a problem and they're trying to now litigate headhunting out of the game uh, at the college and pro ranks by throwing flags when you headhunt. Well, ESPN and, and NFL films cultivated and curated that culture by putting out highlight reels of guys taking other guys' heads off for years. Mm-hmm. You, when we were kids, you'd go buy a VHS tape of big hits, and it was guys' helmets flying 10 yards through the air, and their head Absolutely. might still be in it. Mm-hmm. And so when you breed generations that believe that the best way to get noticed and the best way for your film to pop for a coach at the next level is by doing that, that's the way that you're going to start playing. And I think that the NHL, among the multitude of cultural problems that hockey has, uh, one of them is the idea that you have to launch to hit someone. And I think that it's the exact same principle that you have in the NFL, and that is there are ways to safely develop a significant hit and put a guy on his wallet without making their head either the point of contact or in danger of subsequent injury by landing on the ice, the turf, whatever. Um, and you know, again, Truba is a guy, I'm not going to say that he's a dirty player, but he does have an MO of questionable hits. 
you know, Tom Wilson is a guy that not every hits dirty, but because he's been dirty in the past, there's a lot more emotion that goes into it. And I do think that there was some carryover because Truba has delivered big questionable hits in the past. And he certainly is on speed dial with the department of player safety. Um, that there was an, it, there was an amplification of the feeling that it was a dirty hit because of where it came from. If Ryan Strom had done that, I don't think that as many people would have ramped up as quickly as they did, but it was Truba. So everyone lost their minds. Uh, but again, uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of it because I think Truba could have and had the space to deliver that hit through the logo on his chest and not at the top of his shoulders, which would have probably left uh, Jujar Kara on the bench, maybe returning to the game and a little sore, but not unconscious on the ice the way that we saw it. And while you're right, the NHL wants those big hits because they're good for TV and they're good highlights, you don't want to see a guy looking like he may not ever play hockey again no nobody you does you don't want to see a stretcher you don't want to see both teams taking a knee um you just you don't you never want to see that uh, that could have been a life-altering moment for that player and we're good to, it's good to hear he's out of the hospital they're saying that he should have a full recovery uh as i will say as someone who's had concussions and talked to dozens of players about post-concussion issues full recovery in life and full recovery as an athlete are two different things um, and it, it may be that he can play again, but it may be that there are going to be lingering problems that he has because this is the second time this calendar year that he's been knocked out cold. Wow. He got knocked out once while he was with Edmonton last season. So um, this is a guy that's got now a track record of uh, concussion issues that is scary. So good to hear he's out of the hospital. Uh, we hope that he can make a healthy recovery, whether hockey's part of that or not. I think the plan is for hockey to be part of that, but you never know with head trauma. So uh, good to hear he's out of the hospital. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the league, no doubt, is uh, – I hate to use the terms thin ice, but, uh, you know, there are – I mean, I, I think back to some major incidents over the years, thinking Bertuzzi in terms of guys getting, you know, career-changing, Savard in, in uh, Boston too. But, uh, you know, Panarin's uh, about a half an inch away from his head hitting the ice last year with Tom Wilson, mm-hmm. and there being blood all over the place. But there wasn't, yep. and he was okay. Same thing with the car last night, and, and this is it. We move on. And uh, right. And like I said, uh, luckily he's okay. And, yeah, I think you're right. You'll have to see what happens with lingering effects down well, there. Well, I mean, the, 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 the struggle, though, is that the Blackhawks did not move on in that game. You, you said that you flipped on in the third period. Rangers scored five uh, goals to close that game with a 6-2 victory after being down 2-1, to one, and the Blackhawks were nowhere to be found emotionally in that third period. So let me ask you this. Let's get into the team here a little bit. Um, got Montreal tonight. I see they've, uh, they're calling Harbin um, Khrushchev tonight, this evening. But talk about Derek King these last couple of weeks. Um, well, how many games has he got now under his belt? Almost like 12, 13 games, right? Uh, since yeah. taking over. So give us your... Um, a little summary in terms of how Derek King and the team is doing. Is it did kind of falling back here a little bit in the last week or so or with these couple losses to the Rangers, uh, maybe the, the team that uh, Colin had? Uh, I mean, it's the same team, obviously, but um, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to babble on here too much. You know what I'm getting at. Where's this team right now under Derek King? Well, look, they're 8-5. They're and five. 
since King took over, which is obviously a hell of a lot better than one nine and two under Jeremy Colton. The Blackhawks wasted twelve games with Jeremy Colton as the head coach because you've seen a a much better structured and competitive team since Jeremy Colton left. Uh, and I think that you've seen with two straight wins from the Vancouver Canucks that they needed a coaching change probably a month ago when the Hawks did it. Um, the problem that the Blackhawks have right now is they can't score. Uh, of the games that they've, of the eight games that they've won under uh, Derek King's leadership, uh, 2-1 overtime win, 3-2 shootout win, uh, 2-1 Against Arizona, they got two goals in regulation. Uh, four against Seattle, one nothing at Vancouver. Uh, three to two in overtime against St. Louis. A four three shootout win in Washington, and a three two shootout win against the Rangers. Getting a third goal for this Blackhawks team is literally a lottery ticket at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, the games that they've lost since Derek King took over at Edmonton offensive juggernaut at Calgary, a team that I think is blowing away everyone's expectations. Yep. A 2-0 shutout loss against the San Jose Sharks, who played well that night, but the Hawks were a tire fire. And then their last two at MSG and then at home against the Rangers, a team that is very well coached and very well defensively structured. Um, the Blackhawks need to score more goals, and they're still trying to figure it out. And frankly, the injuries and COVID have not helped them at all. Um, they're still getting their blue line sorted out. Ian Mitchell came back up, played, I thought, really well uh, in a brief stint, but with the loss of Kira uh, and Tyler Johnson now being a long-term injured reserve, he had the same neck procedure that Jack Eichel did. Um, with those two guys being out, they needed some more bodies, so uh, they brought Mike Hardman back, who was officially in the AHL for about 24 hours, maybe not even. Uh, they brought Philip Kurashev back with three points in three games in Rockford since he went down to get a little momentum. So they're trying to, they're still trying to find the offense and it, it's hard to drive offense when you don't win faceoffs. The only guy who's consistently winning faceoffs on the Hawks right now is still Jonathan Taves. Uh, and again, that finding that third goal, if the Blackhawks score a third goal, they're probably going to win because they're playing decent defense right now. Um, you know, you look at their losses and a lot of them have been, you know, not necessarily blowouts. You know, the Edmonton and Calgary games, he had some empty net action. The Rangers had an empty netter the other night. So um, they're able to stay close. But I think other teams are comfortable with the Hawks staying close because they know that they're so limited offensively. So they got to find some offense. And that's not a Lankin and, uh, or Flurry problem in that they've been good. Uh, that's not a necessarily a Seth Jones problem. He leads the team with 22 points. Um, that is a forward problem, and the forwards need to show up. And right now you've got one guy with double-digit goals at 25 games, and that's Alex DeBrinkett's got 14. And you got two guys with double-digit assists, Kane and Seth Jones. And Seth Jones has 19 assists. Uh, which is tremendous. I mean, Seth Jones has been really good since those first few games were a debacle. But, you know, when you're looking at uh, four guys averaging at least a half point a game on the entire roster, that's not going to do it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it seems a little frustrating there. There's no doubt about it. And, um, you know, just seeing the, uh, the little talk here last week, obviously, um, that I've seen and heard as far as, 
you know, the Hawks and stuff right now, and we'll, we'll get into real quick maybe a couple of the coaching changes, but do, do you, with Lankanen and, and Flurry here, and and Flurry, like I said, having a positive season, I guess, here with the Hawks and obviously playing better uh, since King took over, do you think Flurry might be a guy eventually here, depending on how the Hawks season goes or, you know, if they're going to chalk it up right now, you don't see them making the playoffs here or anything else. A guy like Flurry might end up being uh, traded away. I think it's possible. You know, his name has become really hot in pretty much every trade rumors piece you read on the Internet now. Um, I think that the big question is, does he want to go somewhere else? You know, there was a lot of talk at the beginning of the season when the trade went down. You know, will Marc-Andre Fleury hang him up because he didn't want to leave Vegas? And he decided, based on everything that the Hawks did to improve their roster in the offseason, that he thought that this was a team that had somewhere that they could go. So he made the move to Chicago, and obviously the start of the season was an unmitigated disaster. He's a guy that has played well enough over the past four or five weeks that you see that he still has a lot of gas in the tank, Um, but the question becomes, does he want to go anywhere else? Uh, If this is his swan song, does he want to play it out and finish his year in one, one city and then figure out wherever retirement's going to take him, or does he have more years left and want to chase another ring? I think ultimately that's the question, and that the only person who can answer that question is Marc-Andre Fleury and his family. Uh, but if the Blackhawks do decide that he's a guy that they're willing to move and he's open to another destination, I think the Hawks would be wise to get his input on where he would be willing to go. Uh, certainly it would be to a contender, and they'd be nuts to not uh, explore that route because he's playing really well. Uh, and he's a guy that I think would garner a ton of interest from teams that want to solidify that position going into the playoffs. But when you look around at some of the teams that have uh, made goalie changes, either by choice or by a departure, specifically Colorado in the departure department, um, you you look at some of the Toronto. I don't think Jack Campbell's been terrific. Um, you know, Montreal has a lot of money tied up in Carey Price still. We don't know if and when he'll be back, but. Um, and their season is is going they are not about a contender, as poorly. <laughs> no, you look at but you look at teams that have big money in the goaltending position, and you look at teams that are competing. And the list of teams that would probably line up for Flurry isn't as long as the Hawks would probably like it to be. I know a team. So I know a team, and a team that might be able to help them with uh, maybe a scoring prospect or something like that. I think he would be a perfect fit. With uh, Shesterkin on the Rangers. Interesting. Down the road. I think he would be great. A little veteran guy, kind of go-to guy there, and, and Shesty's doing well. But Shesty well, here's, here, here's, here's the trick for the Rangers, though. Uh, and we've talked about Jeff Gordon, and good for him for taking over in Montreal because Congrats. he's got a lot to do there. Congrats to him. I feel like the Hawks missed a, an opportunity there. I've been pumping his tires in Chicago since July. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he, while Gorton was the was the GM, they invested most of their high draft picks. Obviously, Kako and Lafreniere being the outliers here, but a lot of their draft capital was spent on the blue line. And when you look at their young depth in, as an organization, it is heavily on the back end. And so, when you start talking about the Rangers, who would they be able and willing to move? Uh, if they were looking to bring him in, 
Um, and it would have to be a pure rental scenario for them. Uh, because with Adam Fox getting paid and Zabinajad getting paid and a lot of the other money that they've got hitting the books next year, the Rangers are really sitting on a doomsday right now. This is it. they got to go for it. And so you're right. Flurry would make a ton of sense, um, but you wonder if that would upset the apple cart with how Shesterkin's playing right now. I think he's a terrific goaltender. I do think that they need to improve on the uh, backing him up and give him someone that can give him a blow more frequently so he's not running out there six out of seven or seven out of eight. Uh, but it just I wonder who the Rangers would be able and willing to move to consummate a deal like that because their prospect pipeline is so heavily defenseman. Well, yeah, I know. Maybe we'll give you Kako and, um, and Georgie. If you're and willing we'll, to give the Blackhawks we'll Kako... And bring it back. If you're willing to give the Blackhawks Capo Kako for... Marc Andre Fleury, no, I no, will not personally just drive. <laughs> I I will personally drive to the United Center and sign the paperwork. Um, yeah, he's playing good of late, so I think uh, he, he has he has played know. well lately. He's and I think that anyway. you have to remember with guys like him and Lafreniere that they're young enough when they get there. It's going to take time. I mean, they've got to finish puberty, yeah. literally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a, a cliche here. So. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I I look at other teams that are probably going to start thinking about selling in your Islanders are a hot mess. Old news now, baby. <laughs> now that they got the new barn and they're you know still they, trying to get back to ten games. They got ten games to write this ship, man. End of this month, oh, they're in a heap of trouble. Hey, look, um, last thing before I let you go here, so you got Trots in the Isles there. Obviously, they they broke the eleven game. Um, Streak there, uh, beating the Sens, whoop-de-doo. Um, not expected to be where they are right now in the lineup, but, you know, given the injuries. Yeah, real quick, the... remember when Otto was supposed to turn the corner this year? Remember there, when the rebuild was over? It's a long corner. <laughs> it's a long turn, Tab. This, this, so this is a semi This is a semi driving through the yeah, suburbs. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, real quick, uh, your take on Boudreaux uh, back behind the bench in Vancouver. Mike, yo, I guess the gig there, there in uh, Philadelphia, but you figure – that's probably just a, a stop. I mean, you know, I don't think the Flyers are going to be a long time, Tab. So why not bring in Tockett and have some fun until they do? <laughs> they don't. They should. And I think, you know, look, they need a PR boost. Um, they could use some positive vibes. The Eagles aren't playing well. The Phillies are locked out. Philly could use a little something right now. Tockett's a household name. Mike Yow's got a nice track record. I don't think that he would necessarily be a bad guy, but... You know, I, I think it's another one where, you know, Jeff Gordon gets hired out of, out of a TV contract. And now Tockett's going to get hired out of a TV contract. Um, I think it makes a ton of sense. And maybe just a fresh voice in the room, a guy with a different perspective and style would work. And look, he knows what Philly fans want. Absolutely. So give them what they want. Give them a guy they know. Give them a guy who's going to coach a style of play that they want. And frankly, the guys on that roster, I think, would respond to Tockett. Yeah, I, I guess maybe the only thing I was just thinking that sometimes we forget maybe the guy himself, as much as we want Tockett there or Philly would love Tockett there. I mean, Tockett, let's maybe think the guy's a smart guy. He might actually go, hey, look, as much as this sounds good and everybody would love it, I don't know if I want this squad. I don't know if it's the right situation for me right now. I don't know if I want to go through, uh, you know, a season and a half pretty much of uh, uh, with a team that's really just 
kind of lost, kind of gone. So, I mean, that would be interesting too. And maybe it's part of the, the pause right now that, you know, he hasn't gotten the job yet. Who knows? I, I can only imagine yeah. what's going on there. But I wonder if maybe that's another side of it too as far as coaching. You you take Boudreau, it was so funny. Uh, I just I couldn't picture him going to Vancouver and maybe he wouldn't think about it either because he was on the ice the other day and they asked him after yeah. the skate and he was like he was terrified he hadn't been on the skates in so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bruce is Bruce is a national treasure, and <laughs> you know when he got hired, I saw a few Twitter accounts that went and found the old uh, infamous uh, f bomb laden pep talk that he gave the Capitals a few years ago. Yeah, it's just priceless. If you're at work, listen to it with earbuds in, uh, and then just explain <laughs> to people while you're laughing. But the guy drops like 15 f bombs in 19 seconds, and then just walks out of the room. Um, I, I think you make a good point about Tockett uh, for all of the reasons that I said he would be a fit because he knows what Philly wants. I think his knowledge of Philly as a market is also a good reason for him to maybe have pause in going there. And wanting, I think he would want more certainty than to be a Band-Aid. You'd have yeah. to be looking like Gorton going to Montreal. It's going to have to be a, a significant commitment for him to go there because He's going to need not just the second half or last 60% of this season. He's going to need a couple years, and I think he would rightfully, with his credentials, want input on what the roster looks like uh, in the future and be able to weigh in on what's working and what isn't working before the trade deadline and make some tweaks, maybe not necessarily to get them into the dance this year, but to bolster them for the future. So you make a great point on Tockett maybe having pause because – He's coached enough, and he knows enough about Philadelphia that going home, he knows that there's going to be added pressure going home, if you will, or going somewhere that he's as familiar with as he is with Philadelphia. But at the same time, I, I just think that that's a, that's a thing that could work, and at some point the organization is going to have to find a way to slap more than just a Band-Aid on there. And I'm not to, trying to disrespect Mike Yao because, like I said, he's, he's got a wonderful track record, but... I feel like they need a little pick me up, and Mike Yao is like, "Oh, okay, interim guy, whatever." Uh, they need they need some oomph in Philly. That doesn't work. Um, I think with everything going on away from the ice in Chicago, the Blackhawks were able to go a little bit low brow with the replacement for Carlton, just because they've got enough issues. And frankly, I think Derek King's been the perfect voice. He's been a breath of fresh air. His sense of humor is terrific. He wore this ridiculous, uh, just not ridiculous, but it was a. Very well put together, but very loud blazer for a game, and they won. And he was like, well, maybe it just confused him. So I'm going to maybe we'll buy him for all the coaches, and we'll wear him for every game. <laughs> you never heard – Jimmy Carlton never joked in post-game pressers, yeah. so we'll add that to the list of Derek King improvements. Brucey, I was fascinated when I saw the hire um, because he's been around long enough, and it seems like he's had his best success with veteran-laden lineups that having an old guy who, again, has been away from the game, at least in a coaching capacity, he's been doing good stuff for NHL Network, but being off the ice and away from the bench for as long as he has been, it was interesting that he would go somewhere that's a young team that still needs to learn when, again, he's had probably his best experience working with veteran lineups. So we'll see how it works, but he's 2-0 and so far. Yeah, So we'll may- maybe maybe they needed uh, an old dog to teach the young kids how to – how to do it up there in Vancouver, but uh, that's another team. You know, when you look at teams that were supposed to turn a corner, Ottawa, 
Vancouver had such high hopes coming into this year. Yeah. The Islanders, I think a lot of people expected them to be Stanley Cup final or bust. Um, it, it, it's really going to be an interesting trade deadline this year because you have young teams that you would think don't want to necessarily reconfigure everything now. And if some of these young players like Elias Pettersson, hell, if, if his name ends up on the trade block, this whole thing just becomes a hell of a different conversation uh, because there are players with a lot of talent on these younger teams that aren't performing up to the standards that either their owners, you know, the Dorians of the world or the fans had for them this season. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. But Philly's a team that really invested in their blue line, and it's just not happening. And Carter Hart continues to be just perplexing. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see which teams decide to have a fire sale and how soon stuff starts kicking. Because I think with a lot of uncertainty about the Olympics and the schedule being condensed because of that uh, after February, I think you're going to see teams that are going to want to make moves maybe before Christmas or early in January to get guys in the room and get the dust settled sooner than later. And that could lead to some pretty significant movement here maybe before Christmas. But certainly, I think before you get into the middle of January, you'll start to see some big movement happening and not just of the Jack Eichel variety. Yeah, no, I think you bang on there, Tab. And if, um, you know, if uh, if they don't go to the Olympics, you know, everything gets put back into, you know, a regular schedule there. And, you know, a lot of teams right now, I mean, the league is the bottom half of the league is really the bottom half of the league. It's not good. And, uh, you know, as far as coaches... it's, 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 the, the NHL feels a lot like the NFL right now. You have some teams that have clearly established themselves as being legit championship contenders. Mm-hmm. But your middle class is really struggling to be there. Yep. You're either really good or you're really bad. Absolutely. Uh, and you've got some teams that are still sorting stuff out, like the Avalanche, who had a real rough start to the season, but a lot of that was injury-driven. Um, that are, you know, but your middle class is really limited in the National Hockey League right now. Uh, and I think that because of that, you'll start to see some teams uh, look to move people earlier, not only so that the acquiring team can have the dust settle uh, and really get into a groove with their roster being somewhat final, uh, but also the, the sending teams just to not have to pay more money. You've got Mark Andre Fleury, and you're going to trade him because you know that this season isn't working. Why would you pay him another four hundred thousand dollars, you know, until January fifteenth, or you know, half million dollars? But it's just it comes back to just dollars and cents. Yeah, I think you're. I think a fan should definitely um, pay attention to what happens in 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 January. I think you're right, Tab. I think things are going to move a lot earlier this year than they would. In, in normal times, uh, and like I said, we're two years since a normal NHL season. We got an extra team in the league. You know, gone are the days of uh, Coach Q and, and even Trotz back in Nashville and Lindy Ruffer from Buffalo coaching more than eight, nine years. It's a two-and-a-half-year lifespan now on coaches. You're probably going to see some more coaches being moved too. So uh, lots to look forward to. Tab, great stuff as always, man. Have a great week. So good to talk to you. We'll be back this next week too, and and uh, we'll see whether or not Truba takes out another couple of guys in the league. Oh, boy. Well, just stay off the tracks. We'll keep the cigars lit, and we'll look forward to talking some puck with you next week. Sounds good, brother. Take care, man. Ted Bamp, ladies and gentlemen, from Chicago, right here on THS. And THS rolls out.
Well, all right. It's time now to head down south. The deep south? Well, it all depends on where you are. It's all good stuff to me. So I'm bringing our good friend, Mr. Steve Palumbo, no longer in the Golden State. Woo! Maybe we get some Dallas Stars news from this buddy down in Texas. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, Paulie. It's amazing to be here uh, uh, in Texas doing uh, the show. You know, done it in California for so long. Now I'm here in, I guess it's the Lone Star State. Love it, man. I don't think of all my years of doing this podcast and stuff, we've uh, ever had anybody on air from the great state of Texas. <laughs> you are the first, buddy. A familiar voice. You're just uh, in transient, man. Well, congratulations, man. All things good. You settled in. I saw a picture before, and it looks like you got some uh, <laughs> some livestock now. We do as have if, some livestock. As if your family wasn't big enough. <laughs> Listen, it's a little bit of an adjustment, but the, the animals are the easy part. You just you know just take care of them. They do the rest. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely different than living in uh, Southern California. Uh, weather has been interesting. So, uh you know, it'll take a little getting used to, but we're excited about it. We're looking forward to it, and uh, just uh, just happy to be here. And uh, you know, I'm glad I could still do the show, even from uh, uh, gosh, Southeast Texas. So weird. It's, it's weird to say that right now. I don't care where you go, Steve. I'm always going to track still you weird. down, brother. Never going to get out of this THS. All right, well, look, I, I, I know it, you're just it. settling in, so we're not going to start with the Dallas Stars and as far as they're concerned. Uh, <laughs> what I would like to do is start with the team that you just left, and uh, that's the Anaheim yeah. Ducks. Now, I, I believe you're a season ticket holder currently or no, or did you give them back? What's the story there? I currently am, so I've <laughs> still got kids, uh, older kids that live in the area, so they'll be they'll be uh-huh. using them, so... Uh, this will be my last season, though. <laughs> but uh, they'll get some use out of them, so it'll be fine. All right. Well, look, uh, the kids are all right in Anaheim. A lot of fun. I don't think the Ducks are ever welcome back into Buffalo after what happened the other evening. But uh, talk about <laughs> talk about these kids and this team. I mean, it's got to be bittersweet for you seeing uh, all this potential now um, and the youth movement there in Anaheim, and, and, and now you're down in Texas. <laughs> yeah, it's been some lean years the last couple of years. And, you know, to be honest, it's been very boring hockey. The Ducks have been probably one of the most boring teams to watch. Um, but with this this injection of life and, and you know, Trevor Zegris, obviously everyone's talking about the play the other night, flipping the, the puck over the net. He's not the first one to do it, but the kid plays with so much uh, flair and pizzazz. And, uh, you know, Sonny Milano, the Johnny on the spot, knocking the puck in. He's really gotten a, a boost from playing with, with Zegris. And, you know, it's it's crazy when you look at the, the Pacific Division, you know, like I said, the Ducks were, you know, they couldn't score any goals. They were averaging, you know, less than two goals per game. They actually have scored the most goals in the Pacific Division. Um, and they're only 10 goals behind what the Colorado uh, Avalanche are scoring at right now. Um, obviously, they played more games in Colorado, but just to, to see that the, the the transformation in the game and the, and the speed and the tempo. And uh, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the fans in Anaheim. And, you know, they had a little bit of a lull there for a bit, Anaheim, but they've, they've kind of put things back together. And, uh, you know, this is something that I think they can, that can be sustainable, especially with the quality of uh, goaltending they have. Uh, you know, it's, uh, if anything, they're, they're a really, really fun team to watch, and it makes staying up late worth it. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. I mean, currently uh, ninth place in the league, and, 
Uh, Flames and Carolina, Tampa Bay ahead. I mean, they're in good company. Edmonton right behind them there and the Avalanche as well. So in good company, I guess, obviously, like everything right now. And, you know, as we go forward here into the middle and the towards the end of December, um, and I was talking to Tab about this before, it's it's really a haves and have-nots in the league right now. I mean, the, the top half of the league is the goods, and the bottom half of the league, that's no good, buddy. No good. Yeah, it's it's very interesting to see the – uh, disparity between the top and the bottom. We talked about in the beginning how things was kind of close and, and, and teams were kind of hanging around. Now the, the cream is definitely se- uh, separated to the top or risen to the top. And uh, you can see that there's quite a gap developing, in, especially in some of these uh, these divisions. Uh, and some of the teams we thought were going to be good are just, you know, I mean, I, you know, the Islanders, for example, they just one of those teams, they just out of nowhere, they, you know, that the start of the season being on the road and it just kind of, send your, your, the rest of your season into like a tailspin. Um, so, so far, pretty, pretty interesting season, uh, very entertaining. Uh, we're getting into that time where the, the calendar is going to roll over to the new year and you really start to see teams get into like uh, that playoff mindset and really start worrying about positioning and every point counts. So uh, it's really good to see that the Ducks uh, this competitive and this high in the division, you know, as we head into Christmas. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, speaking about uh, the avalanche here, all hands on deck. Uh, Jacob Truba tried to take McKinnon out of the line uh, <laughs> last night. Hell of a beating, brought the Rangers back down to earth. I don't know if um, if Shesterkin or Georgiev was in the nets. I don't know if that would have made any help last night. Uh, as a Rangers fan, I mean, you know, seven in a row going into that game, a lot of the fan base we were all talking about, hey, this is going to be a great test. And it yeah. was. They got smoked. You know, Glant keeps uh, husking for the whole game. I think it's one of those games where you – it's almost like – I don't know when a bad loss like that sometimes, Steve, for a team that's riding a bit of a high, sometimes it's kind of good to get that gut punch and, and kind of bring you back down to reality a little bit and remind everybody how hard you still got to work in this league to kind of keep those streaks kind of going. Obviously, back-to-back for the Rangers and all that other stuff. But full marks to the Avs and, and talk about – we haven't spoke here in about three weeks. Um, talk about them here and, and getting everybody back and, and starting to roll here a little bit. I think only one loss in the last uh, you know three games here. Obviously, Toronto and Ottawa in between there. Uh, but talk about the team a little bit and, and the vibe you're getting. Yeah. Uh, they're absolutely a buzzsaw right now. You know, in this these last 13 games, they're 10-2-1. Uh, they've scored seven goals in five of those games. Um, they are scoring at a historic pace right now. They're averaging, you know, four, I think it's 4.26 goals per game, which uh, ranks 61st all-time in the NHL in average goals per game. So a team has not scored more than four goals a game since the mid-'90s, or even yeah. the early-'90s, I think it Look is. Look at you, so they're, boy. they are. Well, I just I just wrote about it, so it's all fresh in my head. But <laughs> but the way that they're putting up, putting the puck in the net, I mean, they're having trouble keeping the puck out of the net, and you know, it's the same thing with the, the goaltending situation, uh, staying healthy and, and that kind of stuff. But they're managing to to keep you know keep things going because of their their goal scoring prowess. I mean, they could score from the back end, they could score from the front end. They've got role players scoring. You got guys coming out of nowhere. You got Guys filling in and scoring. New hook goes down to Colorado, comes back, and now he's putting the puck in the net. And so you're just getting it from all angles. Uh, power play is uh, starting to really pop here. So you're just seeing Colorado do what we um, thought they would do. They're actually ahead of the pace that they were last year uh, as far as points. So 
you can throw that slow start out. You can throw the injuries out. The team is deep. They're, they're, they're built to score goals, and it's just uh, it's all coming together right now, and you're seeing it in the standings. They're, they're moving up there, and they they're still have played the least amount of games in the division, and they're, uh, they're in second place behind Minnesota. So, uh, again, good things coming for Colorado. Um, I mean, this is like watching 80s hockey. If you, if you watch, I've watched in the abs, you know, I mean, you watch the obviously the Ranger game, but they are scoring these incredible goals. They're scoring with pace. McCarr's going end to end rushes. It's, it looks like an old Edmonton Oilers uh, video, uh, you know, DHS, whatever YouTube, go to YouTube and watch old Oilers video, <laughs> but that's what you're seeing right now. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch and a, a lot of fun to, to bear witness to. So look, Steve, what and, I want to ask you today is, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, obviously the last couple of days here, some coaching changes, uh, Vancouver, Philly, mm-hmm. there's probably going to be more coming. Um, but, you know, you talk about Coach Bednar here, and, you know, he's this is six years now with the Avalanche. Yeah. And, yep. you know, you know the days of uh, Lindy Ruff and, and Trotz back in Nashville and, and Coach Q in Chicago. I mean, the days of, like, you know, coaches making it 10, 11 years, this is long gone. And it's it's almost like an average now of, like, two and a half, three years. I mean, A.V., you know, he didn't make his five-year contract there in Philadelphia. And, you know... <laughs> Bednar take it over from Patrick Roy, everything that's gone on, mm-hmm. and they've 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 gotten their highs and lows with him. Um, I I still don't know too much about him. I don't get to watch as much of the Avs games as I, I would like to over the last few years and stuff. Always keeping an eye. There's a sore spot for me because I lived in Colorado. I was there the year they won the cup. We've talked about that in the past and everything else. But yeah. talk about him now, and and he's he's really become a veteran coach at this point, and he's finally yeah. got all these weapons on defense and offensively and it's unbelievable there's still that one piece that's missing in the nets and but they're still trucking through i just maybe want to ask you how he handles everything what you think of him as a coach and where he is at this point in his career not only as an nhl coach six years now head coach and, and now with the avalanche you know that i think one of his strongest attributes is he never he's never too high he's never too low uh he's very you know very focused coach i think you know, when the, the slow starts, you kind of hear whispers. People are like, maybe it's time to make a change. But he, he seems to be able to take the pieces he has and put them together and make a cohesive unit that is, and he's able to get the best out of his players on the ice. He's definitely the right guy for the job right now. He knows how to handle all the big, um, you know, the big talent within the locker room there. He's just one of those guys that uh, has been in the organization a while and is just knows the way that his team operates. And, you know, I do think, though, that the window is kind of closing a little bit because when he came in, he took over a really bad team. And now the team is expected to win. So they really, really, you know, I, I, I got to imagine he's feeling some kind of pressure to get this team over the hump in the playoffs. Um, I think that would be the only thing that could do him in. But right now he really has this team clicking on all cylinders. He's, he's funny in the, in the, you know, after the game. He's, he just seems to be um, really even keeled and really – uh, the perfect guy to to run this team because think about it. This any other team in the NHL that's gone through the the amount of injuries that Colorado has dealt with, into the the caliber of players that they've dealt with, they'd be in, you know a, a whole different stratosphere as far as, as far as you know uh, where they are in the standings. But they've been able to overcome no Devontae, who's been outstanding this year, no Kale McCarr, no uh, Nathan McKinnon, but a slew of other role players and and depth guys that are really valuable to the to makeup of this team. And he's been able to just find the right pieces to plug him in and, 
and, and put together a lineup that still manages to stay highly competitive on the ice. I, I just think that he is, he's a really great coach and he really has his finger on the pulse of this team. And, and you know, um, kudos to him because, and kudos to the Colorado management for being patient, you know, and, and letting a team kind of work through their problems and stuff. But uh, they, they're just a really, really solid team. And, and he's the guy at the top and is making it all. He's, he's the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Look, uh, he's, he's doing a hell of a job. And look, there's, there's a lot of time left for Colorado to hopefully maybe bring in um, maybe a veteran goaltender somewhere along the line here. Um, you know, another, they're looking. Uh, they're looking. Yeah, and so. you know, again, I'll refer back to what me and Tab were talking about bringing into this conversation as well. Too is, you know, with the Olympics, the NHL may or may not go, and this might be different this year with a lot of the teams that, like I said, are really, really struggling at the bottom of the league here. And for all different reasons, you bring right. them up to COVID injuries, all this other stuff, but you might see some, some players moving a lot quicker, maybe at the end of this month and maybe in January ahead of February, as opposed to, you know, the later, later part of the, uh, the trade deadline trade deadline afterwards, because, um, you know, you, you look at a team like Rado and I know as far as I'm concerned, all Bedner needs is a healthy team. And if he's got somebody yeah. decent back there, um, they can be very competitive, obviously, in that Western Conference. Obviously, the, the frustrations of losing the playoffs last year. Um, but, you know, you kind of keep growing. The players keep going. I, this team just needs to see, stay healthy. But there's, uh, there's a, there's, like I said, there's an opportunity here for the Avalanche to maybe pick somebody up uh, as far as uh, getting between the pipes. Yeah, I, I definitely think that. I, I think they'll, they'll be – they're already looking. Uh, I think they're going to be active uh, as far as – uh, on the, the trade market as far as for a goalie, uh, maybe a couple of depth pieces here and there. But this is a team that wants to win now, and they're not going to let the goaltending thing be an, an excuse again. They really can't let it be an excuse. So if they can bring someone in, that's exactly what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, I mean, this is a team that, that really is ready to win the Stanley Cup. Regardless of the goaltending situation, if, if any one of those goalies can stay, you know, um, healthy i think they're good enough to overcome it but i think they really want to solidify that back in because this team is good enough to win the stanley cup right now absolutely and uh you know we talked about too vegas is very quietly climbing back up in the standings there uh in the pacific fun game last night yeah man yeah absolutely so there's um some interesting stuff there and you got to figure um I was I know Winnipeg's got a way to go, man. But I was really impressed the way they they not only played against Toronto last week, but also the way they stood up for each other. I mean, that was a wild, twisted yeah. game, uh, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Minnesota's still looking good there too, but um, you know, like I said, man, we've always talked about this. We can't go wrong once the playoffs roll around. And if um, right. if the Colorado Avalanche are a healthy team, and if somebody really you know set and, and tight in the pipes, um, I mean, look out. And uh, But, again, it's not going to be easy. They're going to have the greatest team in the world, and it's still going to be hard against some of those teams we just mentioned. Steve, let's switch back over to um, the Atlantic here and, and, and more particularly the Metro Division here. And uh, I know you're down south now. You're a little closer to your, to your hometown yeah. favorite <laughs> Jersey Devils. Um, what do you think of the sweater, man, the third, the third jersey that they brought out? Look, you, you know I'm – Old school with the Devils. I, I mean, I've been there since since the beginning. I, you know, very traditional team. I love them. I absolutely love them. I love the fact that they went black. I love the fact that they did not go with the standard logo on the front. They kind of went out of the box. They put jersey on it. Yeah, it's a little funny. 
You see Blackwood's got mask on the back. The Devils put a hat out. There's this hat on the front. It's all good marketing, if you ask me. And yeah. The Devils have always been the team that didn't market themselves very well. So you're looking at a franchise that is now the 15th most valuable franchise in the NHL. And it's all because of the way that they're marketing themselves. So I like the way they looked on the ice. People are, you know, are, are, it's getting a lot of attention. A lot of teams are talking about it. So, uh, hey, I like it. I'm going to buy one. So, you know, there you go. I like it. <laughs> yeah, just don't order it from eBay like you ordered the last one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. This, I'll get the authentic one, and I'm going to get a Jesper Bratt one this time. So. Good, good. That kid uh, is good. The team struggling of late, you know, again, injuries yeah. change all the stuff. We, we, we knew this was going to be, you know, these next couple of seasons development here for the Devils. They, they were playing really good a little early in the season here, uh, kind of dropping off. Um, maybe just get your take here the last couple of weeks in, in terms of what you're seeing, uh, whether in the losses, whether it's the system, whether it's just, you know, you know, use being out, some players, goaltending. Just give me something that, you, you know, you see that stands out right now that maybe has changed their direction a little bit, uh, maybe on the wrong road. Look, it's special teams. The special teams on this team are god-awful. Uh, the power play is atrocious. The penalty kit has been inconsistent. It's, you know, if they can just – if their their power play was just mediocre, they would have more points in the bank right now. They just have not been able to um, get any kind of consistency back there. You know, if you even spend five seconds on Devil's Twitter, you'll see that they're – the all the chatter is about getting rid of Mark Recky. It's getting rid of Elaine Nazardine. You know, getting bringing in some uh, some other coaches, somebody else to to try to do something with the system because we've been running this out there for the last several years and it's not working. It's not getting any better. You bring in a Dougie Hamilton hasn't made any difference. Um, although if he does it all by himself, then they, they can put the puck in the net. But you, you, the system is is just just not good. I mean, the, the Devils can get really good five on five play at times. And then they just get, you know, done in by their special teams. Um, you know, and I, you know, with all the head coaching changes, you're starting to hear people kind of getting, um, you know, running, wearing thin on, on, on rough, but I think that's just, you know, more frustration than anything. It's really the special teams that, that has been a big problem for this team. And, and really they're not going to take another step until they get that situation rectified. Yeah, no, good stuff, man. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to, dive too much into it uh they're a team that's in development and and this is the uh you know the pendulum is going to swing back and forth uh as the season goes forward here uh with this squad um you know i mentioned you know lindy ruff there before and obviously the islanders having problems here i mean look i trots isn't going anywhere i, I you know right uh but you know these next 10 they, they obviously got the win the other night against the Sens. they got 10 games i i feel um, you know, to the end of December here where they're going to have to make a push, or I was jokingly saying on Twitter, uh, the UBS Arena is going to book a heavy concert season <laughs> in May and June at the new arena, um, which is wild. Um, again, the Islanders, uh, just the things lining up as far as um, injuries and COVID. The reason I'm bringing up the Islanders here is to kind of lead into some of the coaching changes that just happened. We, we know Trotz isn't going anywhere, but, uh, you know, a guy you're familiar with as far as uh, Bruce Boudreaux uh, with the Capitals here uh, during all those years here on the, uh, in the Eastern Division here in the Metro, uh, you know, with the Rangers and the Islanders. I mean, Rangers and the Devils making those cup runs uh, back in the uh, mid-2014s, 15s, and whatever. Um, him going out to Vancouver. Um, just get your take on that. And he was in Anaheim there for a little bit, and obviously in Minnesota. Um, Are you surprised at this? You know, I mean, there's people – Boudreaux's a love-hate kind of guy. I mean, yeah. just – I'm not going to shut up here. What's your take about him taking over the reins in Vancouver? 
I think it's more surprising that Travis Green was let go. I mean, I, obviously it falls on the coach, but when they cleaned house. I guess the coach had to go, but Green, it wasn't Travis Green's fault uh, that the, the team was struggling. They just, they just, there was really some questionable personnel moves and that, you know, that really left the team kind of thin. They, they, they progressed their rebuild a lot quicker than it should have. They, they kind of looked like, thought they were a lot farther ahead. But I do think Boudreaux is a good guy that can come in. He's always gotten the best out of his star players. He's a, he's a player's coach and, and one that I think that team, they're, they're, they're really fragile as far as their, their psyche right now. So he's a good guy to come in and kind of help build the confidence back up. We've seen him win a couple games already. So I, I don't think that he's there to help them win the Stanley Cup, but I think he's just there to help, you know, salvage the careers of some guys. Like what happened to uh, Elias Pettersson? I mean, the guys, you know, he, uh, Brock Besser, these guys are, are stars in this league or were stars in this league, and they need to get back to, to believing in themselves. And I think that's why he was brought in. And I think he'll, he's a good guy at getting that, that job done for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, they had a rough go last year in that, you know, 56-game Northern Division, yeah. Canadian Division last year. It was brutal. And mm-hmm. they've just never been able to recover from it. I'm with you, man. I'm a, I love Travis Green. Uh, love what he did up in Utica. And, and then seeing him go to Vancouver and getting the head job. I think he'll be back behind the bench one day. But I think, yeah. like you and, and the rest of us, just shaking our heads here. And, and with the talent that you just mentioned, how did this happen? And you know, I agree with you, too. I don't know how long Boudreaux's going to be there, but, you know, he averages a couple of years, too. We might get him to the, to the playoffs yeah. maybe next year's season or two or whatever, but uh, interesting. Uh, Philly, team you're very familiar with, too. Obviously, uh, Metro Division here, too. Um, you know, Vigneault, you know, man, he's, he's still got all that money on that contract. He'll be fine. He'll still be able to buy Christmas presents <laughs> for everybody this uh, this holiday season. Um, uh, Mike Yo comes in. You know, you're familiar there with um, as far as um, yeah. uh, Minnesota. Didn't, didn't Yo wasn't? Did he make a Dallas stint? Did Mike Yo go anywhere else? I, think he was an ass- I thought he was an assistant in Dallas. Yeah, something he like that. Yeah, I think it. you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the buzz is, is that maybe Tockett's going to get this job. And uh, I was also again, right. I, I was talking to that. Um, you know, Tockett might not want the Philadelphia job. You know, but right. uh, give me a take on the Philly situation then. Just a lifeless team. I mean, even last night, I mean, after the coaching change, they, I mean, uh, they're just a team that looks like completely in flux. So I'm not sure, you know, the change behind the events is really going to make all that much of a difference. They're just a team that was supposed to be a lot better and they just look lifeless. I mean, they just look like they're kind of going through the motions and, you know, the, the rocket, the Rick talking talk, you know, the Philly guy behind the bench, tough guy, a guy that was loved when he, when he played. And I think that's, you know, the, it's like more of a romantic thing to have someone like that behind the bench. I just don't know, you know, if this team is really going to be able to turn it around or just kind of be a middle of the pack team. They, they really don't have, I mean, um, I don't know, the, the couple times I've seen them this year, I just really haven't been uh, impressed with them at all. Even their star players. I know the Hayes injury um, is something that, that keeps being brought up, but I, I don't know. They're just they're they're just not a team that that looks competitive right now. They just mentally have looked like they've checked out, and uh, so we'll we'll see over the next five ten games that they they kind of start to to get start feel better about themselves. But you know, even last night I thought they would have be a look, look a little bit better, and they just it wasn't all that impressive. Yeah, um, I have no sympathy from us Rangers and Devils fans as far as the situation yeah. in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> but um, a lot of talent on that team, you know. I mean, I've always liked Claude Giroux and stuff like that. And uh, I guess you know, like I said, oh, great know, players. They just yeah, ah, they just look like they're going through the motions. That's 
Yeah, Easiest way I, to describe it. You know, listen to you talk about that, too, as far as that performance last night with y'all behind the bench. I, there's no way he stays there. I think that's just another guy who was part of Vigneault's yeah. staff that they're going to have to let go, too. Um, mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, good luck to them as far as we're concerned. <laughs> uh, last thing I want to talk to you about, I mean, there's so much going on, but we're back on the uh, the track here at THS, and we'll keep going here next week. But, um Couple of things now. Um, as far as West Coast here, and um, and that's the Coyotes here. I did see something. Uh, you know, they were threatened to get booted out of here or locked out of the arena. But yeah. I see something came across that they've paid one point three million back in taxes after the threats or whatever. But what's your take on this? I mean, I always, you know, I've always loved the Coyotes personally as a hockey fan. I think you know when you when you you know from my perspective, it's just you just love having hockey in as many major cities or states as you can or whatever but i think myself a long time ago and maybe everyone in the league outside of the diehard fans down there it's probably time to get these guys out of there out of the state yeah yeah i just think there's no way you can keep them there and and this is actually something i'm paying close attention to because of the ties the the talk of this team possibly being a candidate to move to houston which is much closer to where i am so it would give me hockey a lot closer. But, um, geez, I mean, this team cannot get out of its own way. I mean, we talked about how the, the arena wasn't renewing their lease, and they were talking about moving to Tempe, and they're going to build a new arena and do all this. And then it comes out that they have not paid their taxes, and it just is just – it's like black eye after black eye after black eye with this team. And I, I think, you know, we talk about uh, a player's career and how sometimes a change of scenery – will help rejuvenate a career, the, the career of a certain player. I think if you want to rejuvenate the, the life of this franchise, you've got to move them. It just makes the most sense. Whether it's Quebec or Houston or wherever, I just think you give them a new identity, you get them out of that, and you kind of give them an opportunity to kind of like hit the reset button because this is embarrassment after embarrassment after embarrassment. And, boy, it's, it's, it's ugly. It's, it's really, really ugly. And these are not like minor, minor infractions with this team. There's always something – that comes up out of nowhere and you're just like, wow, how does a team operate like that? Just super. I'm glad they were able to pay the money and and the employees weren't locked out of the arena because that would have been super weird. You would have a team like a bunch of players standing out in the curb with their bags. But um, (laughs) it's just something that's got to be handled. And I think the NHL needs to, again, step in and do something with this franchise, Um, you know, short of folding it get them to play somewhere else because it's it is not going to get any better i think the relationship here is is pretty sour so uh boy I, and i don't even know if tempe is it would be all excited to have them so we'll see where it goes it's definitely one of those stories that just has you scratching your head but when you hear that it's a like coyotes you kind of go oh that makes sense <laughs> yeah man i mean <laughs> yeah it's it's um i mean my question is i mean houston sounds great right but let's be yeah. honest it's not like the stars are packing them in every week. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I mean, they've yeah. been there, obviously, when they've been on their runs. And obviously, the, the thing league. with Houston is it's like, I think it's the fifth, I think it's top five biggest markets in the country. And I think that's the, that's the draw to bringing a professional hockey franchise to the city is because of the amount of eyes and the potential uh, revenue that it could bring to the league. But I think that's that, what the big Didn't draw. they try that same kind of viewpoint with the Thrashers as far as Atlanta being a big market? You know, they had the you know, um, the Hawks and, and obviously the Falcons. And I don't know if it's just 
I don't know if another hockey team can really survive. Are the uh, Houston Arrows still there? Didn't they shut down? I'm just kind of curious. They shut down too, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know if it's work. a sustainable market. You know, I mean, right. I know there was there was talk there. I heard about a month or two ago. I think when um, Bettman was in town over here to to open up the UBS arena, I believe he hopped on a plane and he went up to um, Quebec. Yeah, because they yeah. built that arena, and I, you know. But then I heard some fans saying it's they built that arena, you know, whatever it was, ten, eleven years ago when they now it's like out of date or something. But I think they gotta they gotta you know, if you're gonna make a huge move like that, you gotta be guaranteed that it's gonna be a solid hockey market and they're gonna have to do like, you know, what basically what Seattle did. I think that's the only model. You gotta get those season ticket yeah. commitments and everything else, man. I just if you look at the amount of people that are from out of state that are moving into Texas like myself. I think that's one of the things you could probably draw off of is people that are um, out of towners who are hockey fans or things like that or, or moving into this area um, and then, you know, looking for something to entertain themselves. Because this area, especially, there's getting a lot of people are moving into from all over the country. So, I, I mean, that could be an option. But I, I know that the Houston talk is real and, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see to see if they, they pull through with it. But I would hate for them to come here and just be a complete complete flop. That would be that would just you know, that would be another black guy that follows this franchise around. Buddy, you're going <laughs> to you're gonna have to get on one of your horses and head downtown <laughs> and grab a big banner and see, bring me back to Houston, baby. I'm uh, here. Yes. <laughs> so before I let you go, Steve, everybody wants to know on Twitter, your account is West, uh, West Coast Hockey but, Fan. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you're down south now. Are we changing it to south? Deep South, Lone Star hockey fan, or are we going to go uh, Steve Palumbo? What are we doing here, man? <laughs> I might just change it to my name, or I might just leave it just the way it is. I'm still a West Coast hockey fan, so, um, you know, I don't think much much changes, but uh, we'll see. Maybe I'll, I'll you'll, if, you, if, you, if you watch me on Twitter, maybe it'll change. Maybe it won't. <laughs> Let the Keep count, you all hanging. <laughs> the countdown begin. What will Steve do? <laughs> oh, I love it, brother. I always love talking to you, man. It's great to be back on the stick here with THS. We're back. Uh, look, man, congratulations on the move. Glad you're safe and sound. Thanks, buddy. Have a great weekend, and we'll uh, we'll do this again next week before the holidays roll <laughs> in right. again. All right, pal? All right, brother. Take care. Steve Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen. Now down south. Woo! Yeehaw, baby. Right here on THS. All right, that's a quick, quick THS hit today. We missed our old pal Joe Yurden, but he'll be back on the next episode. Big thanks to Ted Bamford and Steve Palumbo for hanging with me this week as I get back into town here. Getting back used to doing this again here. All right, fun stuff. Love it. Lots of great games coming up this weekend and over the next week or so. As we get into December here, holiday season, if you don't have a good record in the NHL, may not be making the playoffs come this time at the end of the year. We'll see, man. We'll see if these guys even go to the, the Olympics, too. So, all kinds of great stuff going on. But anyway, on behalf of myself, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, Tab Beverage Chicago, Steve Palombo now down in Texas, and as always, Joe Yarden up in Buffalo. We miss you, Joe. We'll see you on the next one. And we'll see you guys as well on the next show right here at That Hockey Show. Enjoy your hockey, everybody. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and healthy out there. And do unto others as you would have done to yourself. And as Jacob Truba would say, 
Keep your head up, baby. Take care, everybody. THS is out.